Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Today, we're going to talk about letting go in our own lives. How many out here today have thought of your prayers as a contract before? Throughout a lot of Christian philosophy, I I think that we portray our idea of prayer almost as pleading, almost as begging. You've got to know that's not the way it works in a science of mind community. And one of the ways to think about prayer here is actually having a contract with spirit. And with any contract, as you know, there are things that both parties have to keep in mind. And so today we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And a big part of it is letting go, is trusting the process. Before we get there, though, I want to talk about something else. Uh, You'll remember last month we talked about the idea of back to basics. And in fact, we learned a whole lot about that idea of it is done to us as we believe. The idea that our thoughts, in fact, becomes things out in the world. And we had a chart last week that showed how that can work, how we can actually organize our thoughts in more productive ways so that we can have better outcomes in the world. Then we can study those outcomes in the world and use them as a fine-tuning, a kind of a what-if mechanism then for improving our thoughts again and getting better outcomes. That idea of making continual progress in our thinking so that we get continual outcomes in the world for ourselves, our families, and the universe in general. Today I want to flesh that out even a little more, and before we get to this idea of letting go, which is so important, I want to talk about our emotions. So last week, if you'll remember, we said it's the combination of our thoughts and our emotions that actually drive what we see in the world. It it actually leads us into our experience of the world. And so often in Science of Mind, we focus on the thought piece of it. Uh, All last month, in fact, it was mostly the thought piece of it. Today, I want to focus in on the emotion part of it. And I'm going to start with a pop quiz. I know you think I'm crazy sometimes, and you're, pr- and you're probably right, but I actually do have a quiz out of the book that I, that I want you to help me with. So I'm going to read a word or a phrase, and I would like you to quickly in your mind classify any emotion it brings up. Does it bring up a, what you would think of as a positive emotion? Is it completely neutral? Or does it bring up a negative emotion or feeling? Make sense? So let me start out with the first one and then we can laugh and you'll see how it works. Okay, so puppies. Yeah, exactly, right? I didn't even, I didn't even tell you that there would be a verbal component to this, but, but almost naturally I say puppies and you go, oh, just that that feeling of innocence and wiggliness and, and just all the sweetness that goes with it. Okay. All right. So you got, you got what we're doing here. All right. Next part of the quiz. Junior high school. Now, you know what's interesting here is, of course, it's our personal experience of junior high school. Some of you had very wistful 
full smiles on your faces. You might have remembering the first crush you had or, or being approved to be on the debate team or whatever it was, right? Some of us have very pleasant memories, and it brings up a good thing. And if you were like LaRonda and I, we compared notes earlier, it was our worst nightmare. <laughs> so there isn't a right or wrong answer about our emotions. That's the first thing uh, to, to bring up. Let me do just a few more here. So uh, gas prices. Now, hopefully a fair number of you are just kind of neutral on that. It just is what it is. Some of you, probably a negative feeling, right? This is a big part of the expenses of commuting. Some of you might have a positive one. It all makes sense. Let me try a, a couple more here. Babies. Now, see, what's interesting about this one is most of us are right there like puppies. But you know what? If you actually get a good survey of America, you'll discover about 25% of people are like, not so much. That's a whole lot of work. I've been there and I've done that. And the thought of a baby at this point, you know, it's more like, please no, you know, it's someone else's baby maybe, but, but right? Okay. So you get the idea. Why are emotions important? Last week, we talked about the idea of really knowing what we're thinking in order to make changes in it, in order so we can have better outcomes. And what I know is that often most of us don't know what we're thinking. And even more complicated, most of us have mixed ideas around any certain topic. And you may have even felt a little bit of that. When I said junior high school, some of you may have gone, well, there were pieces of it that were really good, and there were pieces of it that were just horrible. And I'm kind of of a mixed mind of it. And the reason that our emotions are important is that they are a guideline, a signpost almost, into what we think. Because it is our thinking that produces feelings. And so if your prayer work, if your intentions in the world seem to be unanswered, if you have had a high intention and a desire for a really long time and you've put it into prayer work, you've done affirmations around it, it's part of your spiritual practice, you've envisioned it, and you're really stuck, you're wondering why is God not listening to this prayer? I want you to think about that particular thing that you're desiring in its emotional impact because I'm here to tell you somehow mixed signals are going on out in the world. And the surest way to find that is by checking in with your emotions. So let's say for just the longest time you've wanted a, maybe a best friend in the world, right? Maybe, maybe it's time, even as a mature adult, to go back into the idea of, no, I want someone to really share a lot of common things with. I want to have a best friend. And you've been working on it for, for some time to no particular avail. I want to throw out that word, best friend. What does that mean for you? Now, of course, a lot of us will be on the positive side of that. Uh, what could be sweeter than having someone to go to the movies with, someone that shares some of our interests? Uh, maybe we'll you know, take some classes together. Maybe we'll hang out together, make some meals together, whatever. And I know some of us are like, yeah, like that one that ditched me when I was 18, I want a best friend. So for everything that you're desiring in your life, 
If it's worth putting it into prayer, if it's worth having it be part of your spiritual practice, I want a cleanliness, I want an alignment between what you want and how you feel about it. Because I'm here to tell you, if you have mixed emotions, if you have mixed thought about it, if a, if a part of you holds friendship on high and another one just sees the difficulty in it, you know, relationships, not always the easiest thing on the planet. And so if you're a mixed mind, what you're doing is you're giving the divine, you're giving God that mixed message. And so it's time to bring out our toolbox and see if we can bring that into alignment. Use your emotions to lead us to what sort of thoughts are going on in my head that are producing that that mixture of love and hate, that mixture of desire, but off-putment at the same time. Because those are the thoughts you need to work on. You kind of can't have it both ways. Does everybody remember the old restaurant in town called Old Wives' Tale? I, I know we're not all Portland people, but if you, if you ever went to, to Old Wives' Tale, you remember the menu had like 85 pages in it. <laughs> it was almost overwhelming. And I remember being there with a, a group of friends one time, and just to order took us like 25 minutes. And I'm sure, I'm sure the poor staff person was like, get these people out of here. But, but it was all those mixed signals. It was like too much information. Well, this could go right. This could go wrong. This is positive. This is negative. It's like I love the, the Hungarian mushroom soup, but, but if I eat that, then there won't be room for the salad bar. And, and you know, it was like a nightmare. <laughs> Group of five people ordering would take half an hour. My fear is that's what we're doing in our prayer work. So many conflicting ideas. Well, the new job would be wonderful, but it also has more responsibilities. It might pay more. Oh, but that job doesn't come with the, the right kind of benefits that I want, so that even if it pays more, will I, will I be able to have the health insurance I need? Oh, that job is so wonderful, but then I'll be back downtown again, and I'll have to be commuting. Oh, that, that job really is using my, my skills in a way that one never has before. It's perfect for me. Yeah, but... So when we have a mixed mind, what we're putting into our prayer work, what we're putting into really our life intentions is that same mixed up-ness. And I would suggest if you're having any trouble in really using this divine creative process and you're wondering, why is God not listening to me? Maybe it's time to check in with your feelings and see if our thinking is not in alignment. Okay, now I want to get back to this idea of a, of a contract, but first I, have, uh, first I have a joke. One night a wife found her husband standing over their newborn's crib. Silently she stood there and watched him. He looked down at that sleeping infant, and she could see on his face the most amazing mixture of emotions. Amazement, disbelief, doubt, delight, enchantment, skepticism, but pride, touched by this unusual display and the obvious emotions behind it, she slipped her arm around her husband and whispered, Honey, a penny for your thoughts. Well, it's just amazing, he replied. I'll never understand how anybody can make a crib like that 
for only $74.99. Do you see why knowing what's going on in your emotions is important? And do you see why really allowing people to express themselves in their differences around their emotions and their feelings is important. Before we move on to this topic, I got to tell you, we cannot be second-guessing the people closest to us as well. That's another one of the reasons why we give the universe mixed signals about what is right for us and what is good for us. It's because we're listening to and involved with the people closest to us. And they have their own ideas of what would be good for us. They have their own opinions about what would be true for us. And it's not that they don't mean well. Well, I mean, occasionally, sometimes they don't mean well. But, but, but not in general. Of course, the people we hold dear to us are dear to us. They want what's right, but they're doing it through the lens of their own reality, their thoughts and beliefs. Do you see why sometimes we have to pull up our inner strength? We have to be willing to say, yes, I understand. That's what feels right to you. That is what makes sense to you. And I have a slightly different path. Okay, now onto this idea of letting go and the sacred contract that we have when we make a prayer in the world. When we make a prayer in the world, it is my belief that it is just like a contract like any other. And we talk about it here in this church as a co-creative process of, uh, of putting forth our thoughts and beliefs, our emotions, our desires, and our high and holy intentions, and that God responds to that. But I don't think that's the whole story, and I want to talk about this idea of the contract, because there's a piece of it that God will do, and there's a piece of it that we will do, and it's not just enough to say this is a co-creative process, because it doesn't really talk about the job responsibilities. So, when I do a prayer, what are my job responsibilities? My job responsibilities are as cleanly and clearly and beautifully as I can have my emotions and my thoughts in alignment with what I hope to achieve in the world. And whether that's a new job or a new love interest, whether it's bringing a joy into the world, whether it's just wishing well of the planet and bringing more diversity to bear in my life, or whatever it might be, the clean and clearness with which I have my thoughts and emotions in alignment with that is my job. God's not going to tell me how my life ought to be. It is for me to figure that out and to have a high and holy and sweet and wonderful and loving and joyous vision for it and to stick to it. That is my job. And when I send mixed signals, when one day I say one thing and one day I do a, a different thing, when one day I'm focused on love and joy and family and the next day I go to work and, and chew one of my coworkers out and say how awful things are, that is a mixed message and it will produce highly mixed results because I'm not doing my part. The only other part, believe it or not, that is ours in that is then to simply take steps in the direction of that vision. So we have that clear, that clean, that high and holy vision of how our life and how the world should be. And then when it comes to a decision point, 
Should I take this job or not? Should I phone somebody and chew them out or not? Right? Is that choice in alignment with my vision? I need to take steps in that direction. So if I'm all about love, if I see myself as, a, uh, as moving forward in life with better relationships and joyous experiences with other people and a wonderful relationship with a primary partner and joyous interactions with my children, then when I am interacting with other people, I better be taking steps in the direction of that love. Because if I chew out a coworker, that's not love. If I ignore someone who is in need, that's not love. If I look right over the top of that gentleman that stands on the freeway exit uh, when the weather's a little better than it is right now uh, because he needs a helping hand, if I look right over the top of him and ignore him as a human being, that doesn't sound like love. And so it is important to me if I want to see my prayers answered, that not only do I have that high and holy vision of what I want, but then step by step, choice by choice, I'm taking steps in that direction. Okay, now what else is mine to do? Nothing. Nothing. And here is so often where this goes horribly wrong. We want to dictate to God how God is going to answer those prayers. And we muscle it down with screwdrivers and, and hammers, and we're, we're always lifting the hood up to try to guess how, how the darn thing is going to work. Let me use an example. Uh, uh, one of my very first foundation classes, we were, uh, I think it was week four or five when we started writing treatments out. And so first of all, of course, you come up with a vision of, of what you would like to have or experience in the world. And then you practice writing out treatments or prayers that would reinforce that idea. Well, I remember one of the gentlemen said, well, my goal here, my purpose statement is uh, to have (laughs) $438,853.22. And I kind of went, okay, uh, you know, we don't usually just pray about money, uh, but, uh, but, but we could do that. Uh, Then, not only was that the purpose, but his prayer was something like this. I understand that God is the abundance of the world, and so I know that God will prosper my stock portfolio, in particular the shares I have in AT&T stock, to turn those around so that I can invest in a mutual fund. And this was all written out in the prayer, exactly what needed to happen for him to have a good retirement. He explained all this in class, but I just threw out something. I said, well, okay, we can work on that. You've certainly got the format of the prayer right, but what is it that your retirement is intended to do? And his face completely changed. And he said, well, when I'm retired, I want to spend more time with my grandkids. I want to do some traveling. I'm finally going to leave the corporate world behind. And uh, I want to take music lessons again. There was a time when I was in high school, I was in a band. And I know it it sounds silly for someone who's 65 uh, to want to to be in a band again. But I think I'd like to take uh, music lessons again. 
And I said, why don't we put those in the prayer? Do you really need 438,008? I forget the exact number. I, honestly, I made it up. It was a big number. Do you really need that to spend more time with your grandchildren? Couldn't you do that right now? Do you really need that to have the sense of adventure that travel might bring you? Don't you go on vacations now? You don't. Interesting. Do you see how he was muscling, trying to control how God could actually give him the things he wanted? And if someone would have given him a free vacation to Bermuda with his grandchildren, he would have said, no, I can't do that. i got to work on my portfolio so that I can get closer to retirement. God will bring our good to us as God in its infinite creativity can do that. And for us to say it only has to come in one certain way, for us to muscle our way into it has to be a certain way and feel a certain way, that is narrowing, right? That is narrowing the choices that exist for us to actually have our good. There's an infinity of good out there. Infinity of good actually matches up perfectly with how we want to be in the world and, and see the world. But if we limit it just to one source, no, it has to be this one job. It has to come in the form of this one man or this one woman. I want to use another example. I noticed that during our Golden Bowl ceremony, a lot of people were interested in coming up with a new primary relationship. And uh, which is cool, by the way, absolutely a great thing to, to pray about. But I want to talk about the idea, again, of motivation. And again, it's kind of like praying for a man. It's kind of like praying for $438,843.23. Now, on the top of it, I mean, on the surface, it's like, what's wrong with that? But then my question would be, why do you want that? Because there are a couple different answers that occur to me. One answer is, I'm ready to share my life with someone. I'm ready to embark on a greater relationship of intimacy and joy. I want to put my personal ability to communicate and be with someone, and I, I want to I up-level that. I'm ready for all the issues that may come up because I know my heart is big enough, and this is going to be fabulous. This is going to be so sweet. That's one way of looking at it. There's another way of looking at it. I'm so damn lonely I could just die. And I need to find a partner. There's a grief in my heart that cannot be satisfied any other way. I've been living alone for 35 years. And I'm just about ready to say I'm done with it all. Unless I can find someone to bring some light into this pit in my heart. Which of these two elements is more attractive? <laughs> but you know what? God responds to what is attractive. Now, you may not believe this, but God actually responds to what is attractive. I don't mean how it looks on the outside, but the purity of heart, 
the motivations by, by which we wish to do things that benefit ourselves and other people out in the world. The more attractive our goal is to ourselves and other people in the world in general, the more it gets supported. And so although you might be answered, you might get the man with version two of motivation there, it's like, what kind of a relationship would that be, right? A desperate one. So, so one more piece of audience participation, very similar to the first one. I want you to simply pick which is more attractive, okay? Some real life examples. One person just loves you just because you're you. A second person loves you in order to be loved in return. Which is more attractive? Another example. One person starts a business because they love the process of sharing and exchanging their talents with the world. A second person starts a business in order to make enough money to pay their bills off. Which is more attractive? One more example. One person embarks upon a diet out of love and respect for their body. They appreciate this body so much they feel inspired to nourish and strengthen it. A second person begins a diet and exercise program in order to fit a perceived flaw in regards to their weight, their shape, or their overall health. I know you're hating this. <laughs> you, 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 said, you said you'd be willing to stay a few minutes extra. <laughs> now, you're not, now you're not so sure. God responds to this this idea of attractiveness in the world. And I, I've tried to struggle a bit. Uh, she used the word attractiveness in the book, and that's why I'm using it. I tried to struggle with a different, a different actual word because the word attractive has so many different connotations to it. But in a way, it's attractive meaning attracting the resources, attracting the God's interest, uh, uh, attracting your good to you. The things and the examples I just gave that were more attractive will come to fruition not only faster, but in a more pleasurable way. Because if you attract in using some of those lower ideas, if you will, what you'll attract will match that lower vibration. You'll attract the person in that also feels, I just want to have myself validated and I don't care about you so much, right? That's the kind of person that will be attracted in if that's the kind of vibe you put out. If you uh, are really thinking about this next job as just a way of paying off your bills and let's get it over with, that's the kind of job that you will attract into you as well. You'll probably have coworkers that feel very similarly. You'll probably have bosses and, and, uh, and other things going on also that aren't there to really use your talents in a way that feel good. Part of this is what you're putting out there is going to be reflected back to you, but also it's that idea of uh, in alignment with your goals. How wholeheartedly can you approach a new job if it's just for the money? How wholeheartedly can you approach a new relationship if it's out of desperation? How wholeheartedly can you approach anything in life if you're doing it for suspicious, if you will, or unattractive 
reasons. Well, I'm going to close today with a summary and hopefully the way out of this mess. So first of all, we talked about this idea of using our emotions as a signpost. If we're not sure that we have mixed thoughts going on, check in with how you feel about it. And if it feels less than clean and positive, you've got negative thinking behind it and you need to clean that up. Because we want to present a very straightforward message from our head to our heart to spirit. And that's how prayers get answered. The second thing we talked about is this idea of letting go and the contract with spirit. I am not going to try to figure out God's business. My business is to hold the vision and be true. A purpose here is to simply take small steps in the direction of my vision, and I'm going to let God do the rest. The rest I'm leaving to God. I'm going to let go and let God. And then finally, the way out of the the trouble we can get into sometimes by having our motivations a little wonky, again, is back to that idea of clarity. What is it that I really want here? Is it that million dollars? Is it that boyfriend? Is it that job? Or is it the experience that I'm hoping those things will bring to me? And then I need to get really solid in that experience. Not the thing, not praying for the man, not praying for the job, not praying for the whatever, but who am I when that comes into my life? Am I now filled with love? Then I really want to pray for a loving relationship, not a man. If I really want my skills to be used and a, and a vocation that, that lets me go to work singing every morning on the max ride... I don't want to approach that as just a way of paying my bills off. I want the clarity of what that new job can bring me. And I want fulfillment, not just a paycheck. I want coworkers that are jazzed to be there, and I'm jazzed to be there, not just a health plan. And when I have great clarity around my vision for the future, not only will God fulfill that more quickly, but it will be pure to the intents behind that vision. Of course Larry will be profited in that new job because it's about joy. It's about collaboration. It's about building relationships. It's about using talents. And God responds to all of those affirmative qualities with good and with more good. Okay, on to homework, and then we'll close with a prayer. So last week I asked you to be aware of your what-ifing. And by that I meant when thoughts go through your head about what if, do you downcycle with them? You know, what if I lose this job? What if I'm out on the street? What if she doesn't love me anymore? You know, that is also called worry, by the way. And I asked you in particular to be aware of that going on in your life last week. This week, I would ask you to begin interfering with those cycles. When you see yourself worrying, I want you to stop it. I want you to take charge of those negative what-ifs and say, enough, this is not productive, I'm stopping it. And then I would also like to see you proactively do some what-ifs on the upside. And by that, I mean, when you're faced by a decision, let's start asking about the possibilities. What if they, they have a job that isn't downtown because I don't really want to commute? Should I ask about that? 
What if salaries are negotiable? Should I ask about that? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? We're so used to thinking about what things are going to be that we forget to even ask the kinds of what if questions that would up-level the situation. Okay, so that's your homework for this week. Interrupt and stamp out negative what ifing, and as best you can, boost up uh, positive what ifing, looking at the positive possibilities of life. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is only this one thing I call it God, and what I know about God is that it is the full, infinite supply of life, of love, of joy, of peace, of infinity in this universe, and that good is available for all of us. And with clarity, I say, on this day, my vision is painted. My vision of more love or more life, my vision of my talents being used or being in a loving relationship, my high and holy vision is made clear. And as it is true for me, it can be true for everyone here. We can put aside the noise and the dissonance of other thoughts and ideas and focus on my head and my heart in alignment towards my vision for a beautiful tomorrow. And as I do this, God responds. God says, yes, you do your part, I do my part. And for this, for this, I am so grateful. Grateful in knowing how it works, knowing that my vision can be made manifest as long as I get myself out of the way. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the law itself. That law, that spirit that always says yes, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.